like the name of Jesus, the name that's above every name, the name that's above every name of disease, every name of sickness, it's above the name of lack, it's above every name, any name, it's above every name that hasn't been named, but when they come up with a name, he'll be above that name, hallelujah, don't let scientific research scare you, they always come up with more names, and they come up with less cures. But Jesus is still the cure of all the names. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. How wonderful is our God. <laughs> thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, I'm so glad that when he made a covenant with us, there was no loopholes. There was no gray areas. Everything is direct, straight, and this is the way that it is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, we love the if and thens of the Bible. God says, if you, then I. You know, if you will, then I will. Isn't that right? Amen. And that's good because that puts it in our hand. That allows us to be obedient to God. Otherwise, we have to sit around and just wait and hope God will do something. You know, I've never understood people that would say, well, we prayed, we prayed for such and such, but it didn't happen, so I guess it wasn't God's will. So why did you waste your time praying? Because if it wasn't God's will, what is your prayer going to do? You're wasting your time. You know, and the theories and doctrines of men that make, that make things up in their head because they don't understand God. They make things up in their head to try to alleviate the pressure that's on them or the discouragement that's on them and try to alleviate their unknown because reasoning is so important to man. That man has to, he has to uh, evaluate everything in his mind and come up with a reason of why things happen. You know, everything happens for a reason. Sometimes it's just because you're stupid. But I didn't say that. I heard somebody say that one time. How many in here have ever done stupid things? I don't have enough hands to put up. We've done stupid things, and that's why things have happened in our life. But we're working on correcting those things. Hallelujah. And God has made covenant with us. You know, covenant is never one-sided. You know, we have a side, and God has a side. Even when there's a covenant between man, each person of the covenant has a side to it, you know. And um, so God has a side. We have a side. We do our side. God will do his side. God will always do his side. Amen. But we have to do our side. And that's why we get in the word of God, you know. And I heard Pastor Nid talk about it at 930 service. And she said about, you know, there's things in our life that we're trying to change and all and sin in our life. Well, you know, a lot of times sin is not always because you... Uh, chose to commit sin, you ignorantly sinned because you didn't know the truth. And when we don't do the truth, we sin because we fall short of the truth. Isn't that right? And this is why whenever you do knowingly sin, if you confess your sin to the Lord, he's faithful and just to cleanse you of all unrighteousness means even the things you didn't know. But the more we grow... 
See, and it's those unknown sins. You know, a lot of times people say things like, well, I'm doing everything I'm do I can do and things still aren't working. Well, you're only doing really what you know to do. You're not doing everything. Otherwise, you'd be walking on water. <laughs> so, you know, we're doing what we know to do. But the more we grow in the word, the more we know to do. And the more we know to do and the more that we do and the more that we walk in in faith and believe, the more it opens the door to God to move in our life. Amen. Amen. And he wants to. He wants so much to move into your life. He wants so much to touch you. He wants so much to you, for you to move beyond where you're at right now. How many of you would say, well, where I live is pretty good. Anybody? I mean, it's pretty good. Okay. All right. Compared to 30 years ago, who would say they're living pretty good? <laughs> Put a qualifier on that. All right. But yet God wants you to move further because he knows where you're living is better than what it was, but it nowhere near where it could be. So therefore, we want to press on into the things of God. So God has the opportunity to bless us. You know, he's sitting on the throne. His eye is not dim. His ear is not deaf. And his arm is always reached out towards us. And he's always looking. He's always looking. Always. The eyes of the Lord is running to and fro throughout the whole earth. Looking, 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 looking. Who can I move for? Who can I touch? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, I'm excited. That was good. Let's take up the offering. We're going home. <laughs> Hallelujah. Find your place in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to read verses 4 through 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 4 through 6. We've been talking on Sundays and on Wednesdays about different areas that we need to revisit, be refreshed in, and get refired in again. Isn't that right? And we were talking about that we need to revisit that path, the path of God that drips with fatness of his anointing and his abundance. Revisiting the unbelief that's in our life that we need to kill it. You know, you know, I remember when uh, the year 2000 came around, they called it Y2K. Well, we came up with an, an acronym of a Y2K and it was year to kill doubt. The year to kill doubt. And we need to go back and revisit that again and kill the unbelief and the doubt in our life. We want to be refreshed in the presence of God and the word of God and refire our hopeful expectations through faith. Amen. You know, not just I hope this happens, I hope it works, I hope this turns around, but a hopeful expectation, knowing that God watches over his word to perform it. Isn't that right? Amen. So last week we were over here in 1 Corinthians 12, and it said there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. And there are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. And we were talking about how we need to get refired again in the gifts of the Spirit. You know, there are varieties of gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's a varieties of ministries or positions of service that comes from the Lord. Because we know in Ephesians it says when he ascended on high, he gave gifts to men, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But all the ministries are from the Lord. So therefore, the ministry of helps, any outreaches functioning in the kingdom of God are ministries and positions of service from the Lord. Isn't that right? Yeah. Amen. So we have the the positions of service that's from the Lord and we have the gifts that are of the Holy Spirit 
And then God takes those positions of service and the gifts of the spirit and works them both together so that the position can be more powerful and accurate in God because the gifts are working through those positions. Amen. And, you know, we all have different gifts. You know, I have a different gift than uh, Dennis Burke does. I have a different gift than Keith Moore does. I have a different gift than uh, Terry Mize does. But we're all different. You know, we're not the same. I remember Richard Moore, who was a, uh, uh, a joint uh, fellow evangelist with Rodney Howard Brown, and he came to the church for uh, a week. And, you know, he wouldn't even teach. He'd just stand up there and go, well, let's see what God wants to do. And boom, the anointing of God would move. People jump up. They start running around. People are throwing money all around. You know, I mean, somebody was in a legal battle. Everybody ran up, just threw money in his lap. I mean, it was just all kinds of just crazy stuff going on. And I would say to Richard, I'd say, man, Richard, I, I really wish that that gift would work through me. And he said to me, really? He says, I wish I could teach like you. We all have gifts that differ, but yet they're all needed. Isn't that right? There's a different gift for the person in the sound department than there is for the person that's in children's church. But whatever, wherever you operate, wherever you function, we need to be moving in the gifts so that the position would be more powerful, more accurate, and doing the things that God wants us to do. Let's look at verse 6 in the uh, Passion Translation. Verse 6, the same God distributes different kinds of miracles or power, gifts of power, that accomplish different results through each believer's gift and ministry as he energizes and activates them. You know, a lot of times in the Bible you'll see things like faith, you'll see ministry, you'll see service, you'll see believing, but they're always attached to energy, power, fervency, and zeal. You will never see any of those areas spoke about in the Bible where it talks about just sit back, just relax, and just wait. No, no, not at all. And it says that God works these things. The Greek word energeo, it means to be active and energetic. To operate in the gifts of the Spirit, you know, we should be active and energetic. It means to bring an effect and to prove oneself strong. Because I don't know if you know this, but to operate in the gifts of the Spirit, you're going to have to have some spiritual strength to you. This is never going to be something your flesh feels like doing. And I guarantee you, if your flesh feels like doing it, you're going to be off base. Because I've seen it. I mean, you know, this ain't my first trip around the block. I've been doing this for 42 years now, and I've seen people, they come to church and they've got their written stuff out and go, well, thus says the Lord that, sorry, well, what was going on is that this is something that they've been wanting to their flesh, and every time they would do that, they'd be totally off base. But God wants to activate it energize it and make us strong in spirit so that we can operate these things. Kind of like what Ephesians 3.16 says in the Passion Translation, that you would be, that you would, that there would be an unveiling of the unlimited riches of his grace and his glory, that you would be strengthened in the inner man with his energetic power 
and, and, and divine might. Oh, there it is right there. How ugly. I didn't have to close my eyes. <laughs> now I can see. But this is what God wants to do. Supernatural strength flooding into our innermost being. Okay? And it's taking hold of his glory and his grace. And we know that we take hold of grace how? By faith. We take hold of it through faith. Faith attaches to the grace. Isn't that right? And we have to be strengthened in order to be active and to be energized in him, to be enthused in him. You know, enthused comes from the two Greek words, en, E-N, and theo, T-H-E-O. En, theo is where we get the word enthused, en, theo. And en, theo means in God. Enthusiasm should be in God. Amen. And when our enthusiasm is in God and the things he wants to do, we'll be energetic, active, strong. Hallelujah. All right, back to the New American Standard in uh, 1 Corinthians, where are we? 12, verse 7. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Manifestation. The manifestation of the Spirit, which means something should be visible or observable. To be clearly and plainly shown and to bring to the light. That's what the word manifestation means. Okay, so... If there is a gifting and operation of the Spirit, it should be shown. This is not like I have a private gift. No, I'm sorry. No, the, the gift is given to each one for who? Not for the one that has it, but for the common good. It's for everybody. Isn't that right? Amen. And I'm just going to, you don't have to read them, but I'm just going to go through them very quickly, just briefly, because we we spent weeks on the gifts of the Spirit. But very simply, there starts off with a, a word of knowledge. A word of knowledge is not meaning you're smart, that you have a lot of knowledge. It means that there is a word from God that has to do with the present time or the past. A word of wisdom doesn't mean that you're full of wisdom. It means you have a word of wisdom that has to do with the future. That's what, the, that's what that means. And then there is the discerning of spirits which doesn't mean a gift of suspicion. A discerning of spirits means you see into the spirit realm. Amen. There are gifts of healing. All right. Gifts is plural because there's many different types of healing because there's many different types of conditions. And there are gifts of healing. And then there is they call it the gift of faith, which is actually special faith, because this is not the faith that the righteous are to live by. The righteous is to live by faith. Well, that's not this gift of faith. A gift of special faith is where you couldn't doubt even if you tried to. Just no way you could doubt. You know, we were in a service one time and, and Dennis Berg, Dennis and Vicky were here and they were on the front row. And I remember being in the pulpit, but I don't know if I was sharing something, introducing Dennis or doing the offering. I don't know what it was, but there was a woman over here and her mother was in a wheelchair and she started yelling, somebody help me, help me, help me. Well, I looked at my wife and I said, she needs help. So she went over there to help her. Turns out that the woman's mother died right there in the wheelchair. And they rolled her out into the foyer, passed and they raised her from the dead. Took her to the hospital, said, get it checked out. And nobody in the service even knew about it. 
We didn't go, oh, bless God, you know. No. You know why? Because that's not what God was doing. God was doing something up here. He was doing a, an offering, getting ready for the guest speaker to come up, and he wasn't taking time to deal with the situation where the devil wants to interrupt. So I just looked at my wife, and I knew I'm not going over there. So I looked at my wife, and she started walking over there, and we just continued on with what we needed to do. But she couldn't doubt if she tried. Special faith. Are you with me? The same thing when she was on the ground about dead and the Lord had me to pray over her and it was about like 45 minutes worth of prayer and the devil's trying to kill her and um, well she got raised up obvious she's here this is not a clone nor is it an AI she's not wearing a mask of any sort this is her <laughs> See, but all during that time, it was really, you know, you want to think, oh, yeah, I got really good faith. Thank God for the gifts of the Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Gifts of special faith. Yeah. Amen. And then there, was, there is the working of miracles. Miracles is not intensified tide. You ever hear those commercials? The miracle of intensified tide, cleaning your clothes. And let me just say this to you, okay? Sunsets and sunrises, as beautiful as they are, there's nothing miraculous about them. They happen every day, whether you really believe in them or not. It's going to, sun's going to rise and the sun's going to set. Isn't that right? The miracle was when Joshua spoke to the sun and it quit moving. That was the miracle. So a miracle is something that interrupts the everyday, ordinary course of life. That's a miracle. So when something's interrupted, like walking on the water, that's a miracle. You know, that's not ordinary. Okay, so that's what miracles are, not sunrises. So any song you have that talks about the miracle of sunrises, just throw it away. You know, we do that song amazed. Lord, I'm amazed by you and how you love me. Well, the verse of the song is and it's stupid. But the verse of the song that we do not sing is you paint the morning sky with miracles in mind. Now, I understand poetic stuff, but that's dumb because there's no truth in that. God's not making a sunset and thinking about what miracles can I do today? I'm sorry. But if he's making a sunset, he was probably sleeping and he doesn't sleep. So. Okay. To me, I, it could just be me, but to me, it's dumb. I'm sorry. I'm very picky when it comes to things that are sung or said. You know, I had somebody talk to me about a great uh, uh, movie or a great series that's out there. A lot of the church just loves this series that's out there. And they told me, don't watch it. Don't watch it. Because they said it's not scripturally accurate and you're going to have a hard time with it. You know, so they told me, don't watch it. Because I will. I'll sit there and criticize and go, that ain't right. What are you doing? Oh, it makes for a nice story and it makes for a nice movie, but what are you doing? This is not right. Those kinds of things bug me. Just me. Okay, the next gift was the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy is not the Old Testament prophet, nor is it the fivefold ministry of the prophet. Okay, it's you declaring maybe what the Spirit of God is saying right now, or you're declaring something that's according to your faith. Because in Romans chapter 12, it says, if the gift is prophecy, then prophesy according to your faith. 
So you're just speaking prophetically. Your body is sick and you speak to your body and say, you're healed in the name of Jesus. You're prophetically speaking to your body because you're calling forth something that is not there right now. You understand that? Okay. And then there is tongues. We know what tongues is. Okay. But this is not the prayer language of tongues. This is the gift of tongues. All right. There's a big difference. Everybody has everybody filled with the Holy Spirit has a prayer language of speaking in tongues. Whether you do or not is up to you, but you have it because it's given to you. It came with the Holy Spirit. But then there is the gift of tongues where the spirit of God wants to move through you and giving a tongue probably in a corporate type situation in assembly. And you give out a tongue, unknown tongue. OK. And then somebody behind that tongue gives an interpretation, which takes the unknown and makes it known. Well, why do we have to do tongues and interpretation? Why don't we just do a, a prof prophetic word? Well, it's kind of like, um, you know, if you have two nickels, are you going to throw them away? What is two nickels equal? So the dime is like prophecy and the two nickels are tongue is interpretation. They're both valued at the same exact. All right. Now, why would God move through a tongue and an interpretation? Because somebody may have a word, but they're not going to give it out or they're concerned about giving it out. But if I give out a tongue, then they will say, oh, I got that interpretation and they'll give the interpretation of it. But have you ever been in a service where everything is just. And then you want to break the ice speaking a word. That's pretty hard for most people. They're just going to not say anything. But if the tongue comes out, then they'll give the interpretation of it. But the tongues and the interpretation equals prophecy, like two nickels equals a dime. They're both valued at the same. And if God put it in his word, I guess that he would consider it important. Amen. First Corinthians chapter one. Go back over to chapter one and let's read verses four through seven. Paul, of course, is talking to the church at Corinth. And he says here, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God, which was given you in Christ Jesus, that in everything you were enriched in him, in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony concerning Christ was confirmed in you so that you are not lacking in any gift, awaiting eagerly the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. All right. So he says here that that they were enriched in all speech and knowledge. Well, what he's talking about are the gifts, the verbal gifts, tongues, interpretation, prophecy, word of knowledge, word of wisdom. Those are the gifts of speech and knowledge. OK, speech being the prophecy, tongues, interpretation, knowledge being word of knowledge, word of wisdom. Well, they were enriched in them and they did not lack in any of those speech or knowledge gifts. OK, speech and knowledge gifts have to be spoken out. So in the operation of the church services of Corinth, they did not lack in any of these gifts. These gifts flowed continuously. But if you go to chapter three of first Corinthians, chapter three, verses one through three, He's talking again to the church at Corinth, the same church that did not come behind in any of the gifts. He said, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. They're used in all the gifts. They're operating under the spirit of God. What do you mean I can't talk to you as spiritual men? Of course, they've got to be 
spiritual. They're operating in the gifts. Sorry. I could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food for you are not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not yet able, for you are still fleshly or carnal. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not carnal or fleshly? And are you not walking like mere everyday unbelieving people? So Corinth was a very carnal church. They lived by the dictates of the flesh. They could not handle the word of God that would create maturity. They needed milk for a babe. They needed to hear things like, don't be jealous. Don't be envious. Right? Don't be in strife. Don't argue with one another. Stop acting like mere men. Stop acting like an unsaved person. Stop thinking you're getting going to get ahead with your ambition. Stop thinking that this is like the world system, that if you step over people, and if you get yourself in the right position, you're going to move ahead. See, that's all the world. Jesus said you want to be the head of all, you have to be the servant of all. So they were obviously unrenewed in their thinking. They'd argue about whose gift was greater. I had a tongue today. Well, I had a prophetic word today. Yeah, but I had a word of wisdom. Oh, glory to God, but there's a word of knowledge. Oh, my gift, you know, and I operate more in those gifts than you do. And they were arguing back and forth about whose gift was better. And then they were joining themselves to a man. I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. And they were joining themselves to men rather than to Christ. And they honored people more than Christ. Now, I understand, you know, well, let's say, you know, well, we were brought up under Brother Hagin's ministry. Well, that's fine, but he doesn't get more honor than Jesus. You're not saying like, well, I'm a Brother Hagin. I'm of the Haganite camp. Well, I'm the Copelandite camp. Well, I'm the Priceite camp. Well, I'm the Osteenite camp. You know, everybody's got their own little camp. And this is what was going on there. And by doing that, they formed cliques. And cliques are the biggest danger in any church because they leave people out of their cliques and they only allow certain people. And yet, this carnal church was used in all the gifts. Why? Because gifts don't make you mature. You know God spoke through a donkey, right? No maturity there. You know, and I've made that statement before. If you could speak to a donkey, you know, then speak through me. Yeah. You know, and there's times that I've been in the pulpit through the years where I was just totally disconnected from God, teaching what I know I'm supposed to be teaching, probably dry, dull, and awful. But I was up there doing it, but I was disconnected. I was just a donkey. And I said it in a nice way. I didn't use the King James language. So... Here's a church now, totally carnal, not mature at all, but used in the gifts. So it doesn't take maturity or spirit, you have to be spiritual to be used in the gifts. It takes no ability to be used in the gifts. It just takes availability. Availability. Well, what do you need to do to be available? Number one, you need a mouth. And looking around, I think everybody has one. 
And I'm sure after service, we'll all hear them all. Right? Now, many of us have seen the gifts in operation. In fact, many in the past have even been used by the Holy Spirit in the gifts. But when was the last time you were hungry for the gifts to operate? When was the last time you were hungry for the gifts to operate in our midst? When was the last time you were hungry to be used by the Holy Spirit in any of his gifts? Have you been just satisfied with a few folks that will yield themselves to the Holy Spirit or get themselves in position and be ready to move with the Holy Spirit? See, these things need to be refired on the inside of us. These are the things that need to be stirred up on the inside of us, moving in cooperation with the Holy Spirit as he would desire to move. Amen. Don't get quiet. It's okay. You know, Pastor Nate even talked about it today, you know, and I heard Keith Moore talk about it this morning. And you all know the account, you know, the prodigal son, the way that he lived. But yet all he had to do was repent. He came back and father just welcomed him back in. You don't hang your head over stuff. Just repent. Say, OK, I, I've stepped away from that. I want to step back into it. I want to get back in with the Holy Ghost and cooperate with him. Amen. Amen. Getting refired again. You know, church is supposed to be a training center so we can cooperate with the Holy Spirit outside the church. I guarantee you, if we can't cooperate with the Holy Spirit in a loving atmosphere with the Spirit of God here, we're not going to do it out there. Probably not. Are you with me? It's about learning to cooperate with the Holy Spirit in church as a training ground so we can move with him in witnessing. Witnessing with greater accuracy out in the world. What would it be like to witness to somebody when you got a word of knowledge? Yeah, you know. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I know. You've had five husbands, and the one you're with right now is not your husband. That was a word of knowledge. And what did the woman do? She became the first Samaritan witness. I have met a man that is the Messiah. Come out and see him. Amen. See, what would it do for us as a witness to others if we had the gifts of the spirit in operation? What would it be if we learned to cooperate and move with the Holy Spirit in church as a training ground for our own personal life? Because we need to cooperate and move with the Holy Spirit in everyday affairs. I believe that this is the number one reason why church folks have gotten lax, apathetic, and taken things for granted because they've let go of the Holy Ghost and they don't move with them anymore. And now the word has become dull, dry, and it's not like it used to be, but it's because of letting go of the Spirit of God. We're not moving with him in church, not connecting with him in church, not connected with the anointing in church, cooperating with him. We're not going to do it outside. Not with all the pressure out there. We only have maybe one pressure in here, and that would be to declare what God is saying. And the thought that maybe you're wrong. That's the only thing you have to deal with. But out there, oh, there's all kinds of pressures. We want to learn to 
operate with the Spirit of God in everyday living. You know, like the time we were going to go play tennis and our son went to the football game and we went to get our tennis rackets out of his car that was not at the football game. And we're like, well, where is he? And the Spirit of God said, he's at the arcade. Now, we had a rule that you can go any place you want. He was 16. You can go any place you want, drive where you need to go. But when you're done there, you come home. You don't take any side trips. You go and you come. That was the rule. Arcade was not in the plan. The plan was football game. So there was no football game. So we go find them at the arcade. But without the spirit of God, we wouldn't have known that. Are you with me? He uh, used to play uh, uh, baseball. He was in Babe Ruth baseball at the time. Slid into second base and jammed his ankle. So he was on crutches for a little bit. Now, he was a good ball player. So when he's out of commission, the team misses him. So he was out of commission for about a week or so. And the coach comes to us and goes, you know, the, the league has money if you need to take him to the doctor. Well, we didn't need to take him to the doctor. We believe in God from the BOK. But they wanted him back on the team. So I just very politely said, well, thank you. Appreciate that. You know, and um, that later that week, we drove to the mall and he's sitting in the back seat. And we drive in. And as soon as we get into the pocket spot, the spirit of God says, now pray for his leg. I said, Bobby, put your leg up here on the console, put his leg up there. We laid hands on him. He was back playing at the next game. But without the spirit of God. We'd have got the money from the league and done something else. There's always plan B. Are you with me? The Spirit of God wants to operate in your business. You know, when I, when I first started in my business, there was a man that came to me and he said, uh, you know, let me take all of your equipment and stuff. You come work for me and uh, I'll give you all the freedom that you need for the ministry and all. And you just come work for me. Uh, it was a very, very tempting offer, but I didn't know for sure what to do. So there was at that time in Fort Myers, uh, B. Bazansky. She was having a woman's ministry. I think it was a woman's ministry. I'm not sure. But Bob Tilton was the speaker that night. And this is when Bob was back on track. <laughs> okay, in case you know anything about Bob. He was on track at the time. So I go to the meeting and he's sitting there. I'm, say, I'm sitting there and he starts talking about Jesus told the disciples to throw the net over the side of the boat for a catch. And the whole idea of the teaching that the Spirit of God said to me is, you got to cast your net where I told you to cast it. I didn't tell you to go work for him. I told you to cast your net over here. So I said, OK, that's what I'm going to do. And I told the man, I'm, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to stay with my business and uh, I'm going to cast my net here. Now, he was a Christian, so I told him this is what the Spirit of God said and all that. And, you know, you tell Christians what God tells you, they think you're crazy. <laughs> so I stayed there and it was every day from that point on, I would drive into the parking lot of the shop. And on the inside, I could hear the sound of abundance. I could hear it. And the doors just blew off the business. Amen. 
There was another time somebody came around, they were, they were selling ads. You know, would you like to buy an ad in our magazine for your business? And, you know, you can pick up business through the ad. And I really felt like this is what I needed to do. And I did. And phew, it brought in all kinds of business. Well, the next time I thought, that was a good idea. Let's do it again. Well, it never worked again after that. <laughs> the first time is when it was supposed to be done. See, first time, Spirit of God said do it. Second time, I said do it. You have different results. So whether it's in service or outside of service, it's always a matter of turning towards him. But this is where we learn in here to turn towards him, to give ourselves to him, give him priority in everything, put him first place above all. You know, if, if we cannot give God the time that he needs here because maybe we have an appointment, we have a schedule, whatever it may be, and let's say you've been coming here long enough that you know you don't make an appointment at 12 o'clock. Now, first time you might think, you know, well, I didn't know it was going to go that long, you know, but you don't make an appointment at 12 o'clock. Tuesday services, you don't make appointments. Wednesday night services, you know, you, you if you don't protect those times, the devil will come in and he'll just rob you of them. And then he'll rob you of your ability to connect with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So as much as the gifts are an important function in our Christian church life, it's also a great learning process for our everyday life. That we can sit there. Let me ask you this. You know, we've been talking about hopeful expectation. Well, when was the last time you sat in a church with a hopeful expectation? God's going to move today and he's going to move through me. I'm ready. I'm excited. Rather than coming in with a great anticipation, not anticipation, but uh, uh, what is the word? Apprehension. Oh, dear God, is he going to move? Oh, is it going to be me? Oh, I hope not. Oh, I hope God don't move. You know, there's a new person over there. He's never been around anybody that speaks in tongues. I hope God don't move. What's wrong with you? I thought you was a believer. Don't shout me down. Hello, pastor. I'm bringing so-and-so to church, and, you know, they're, they're not used to being in church, so uh, we don't want the gifts to move today. Okay, stay home. <laughs> are you with me see it's all about allowing the holy spirit to move while we're operating under a corporate anointing which makes everything so much easier and that gets applied to our everyday life amen so we want to get refired in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and being excited to be used of him, bold to cooperate with him, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, being a partaker and working together with the grace and the glory of God. Hallelujah, pastor. Glory to God. I'll say it for you. <laughs> Where are we? Go to Acts chapter four. <laughs> Acts chapter 4 verse 20 it says for we cannot stop speaking about that what we have seen and heard 
cannot be silent. You know, that which fills us pours out from us. You can always tell what fills a person by just listening to them. And you can tell if they're talking out of the flesh or whether they're talking out of their heart. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So therefore, what comes out of our mouth exposes our life. Isn't that right? And he's talking here to the religious court. You may want us to be quiet, but we cannot be silent. So it's not about what you want. The Roman government wanted them to be silent. But they said, nope, can't be silent. You know, when the laws of the land go against the laws of God, you're required to obey the laws of God. Amen. So they said they cannot be silent. All right, go to verse uh, 23 and 24. And when they had been released, because they were in jail, they went to their own companions or their own company, and they reported all that the chief priest and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they lifted their voice to God with one accord. Okay, so they started praying. And they're asking God, you know, they're not saying, oh, God, protect us. Oh, God, keep us and protect us, that they don't hurt us. That's not what they prayed. They said, oh, Lord, it's, and we're going to keep on reading. He says, oh, Lord, it is you who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that's in them. And who by the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of our father David, your servant said, why did the Gentiles rage? You see, they knew what the word said. A lot of people, a lot of Christians are going to beg God and try to get God to watch over them, protect them, and because they don't know what the word says. Why did the Gentiles rage and the people devise futile things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bond servants will be protected. No, that we'd speak even more boldly than ever. That's not a common thing. Oh, I have authority in the name of Jesus. Jesus, you protect me. Jesus, you watch over me. I will not allow anything to happen to me. Well, as soon as you can find that in the Bible, let me know. Because I heard Jesus say, in the world you have tribulations. So you're believing that nothing's going to happen to you? You're way off base. In the world you have tribulations, but take courage. I've overcome the world and you can overcome it too. Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bond servants may speak your word with all confidence and boldness. Verse 30. And while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, there's a lot of people that read this whole account. And the thing that they really make a point of in this whole account is the shaking of the building. The place where they gathered together was shaken. And they try to pray hard enough so that the building will shake. 
I don't know why the building don't shake. We've been praying. And they get disappointed because they prayed so hard and the building didn't shake. But what's the problem? The problem is they're so spectacular-minded that they missed the supernatural move of God. And what was the supernatural move of God? They were infused with boldness. That was the supernatural move of God. People are so spectacular-minded because they've watched so many Hollywood movies. Dear Lord. You know, you watch Hollywood movies and you watch some drunken, cussing person defeat the devil. And it's amazing how many verses they know. Are you with me? But that's Hollywood. That ain't real life. You don't defeat the devil like that. The only reason he defeated him is because it was in the script. And it wasn't really the devil. This is not hard to figure out. That was a thing we used to say to our kids all the time when they were growing up. And we'd watch the movie and something would happen in the movie and we'd always say, that's in the script. That's not real. It's in the script. You don't have that script writer. It's not going to happen for you. We tell them that all the time. Even as a sinner, we knew that. Not real. Are you with me? So the supernatural move of God was that they were infused with boldness. They began to speak the word of God with boldness. Amen. Mostly, mostly, generally speaking, people think they are bold or they think they're not bold in themselves based on their personality. I just don't have a bold personality. What's wrong with you? Oh, I have a bold, I'm a, I'm a bold person. Well, what's wrong with you? Because they're both flesh. And the personality becomes the excuse not to be bold or becomes the reason on why I, I can move ahead with this because I am bold. I remember one, I forget who was, uh, there was a guest speaker and we were in the church that we were in. And the guest speaker called up some, somebody for boldness. And the person comes up for boldness and all. And he comes up with a smile on his face like, you're going to pray for me for boldness. Because he, he was so bold, he was a real pain in the neck. <laughs> he was so dang annoying. And I don't mean he was bold in the right way. He was just a bold, bully, annoying person. And he comes up and he's standing up there for prayer. And the pastor walks up to him and he goes, bold in spirit, not in your flesh. Which is true, because a lot of people don't know the difference because we judge everything based on the flesh. Well, our personality becomes the excuse not to do something, or our personality becomes the excuse on why we can do something. Personality becomes the reason why they can do something, and personality is why I can't. Personality is why it works for them, but personality is why it don't work for me. You're so far off base. You're walking like mere men, carnal, unspiritual, needing milk. Are you with me? I don't mean to sound rude or, or anything, but I do mean to get a point across. But it's the same with the gifts of the Spirit. Just like when we were talking about getting refired with the gifts of the Spirit, your personality kicked in. 
well, I'm, I'm not one to do that. And that's why it got so quiet when we talk about moving forward in the gifts of the Spirit, speaking out when God gives you something, see, because your personality kicks in. Now, if you have a bold personality, you're like, yeah, I'm going to do that. Well, you're probably going to do it in yourself. So let's just keep on going, okay? We don't want to be the one acting out of personality, determining and deciding whether I will speak out or not. So go to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 13. Because here we're coming to, everything else I just spoke about is just introduction. Ephesians 4.13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Well, let's read that now in the Amplified Bible. It says that it might develop until we all attain oneness in the faith and in the comprehension of the full and accurate knowledge of the Son of God, that we might arrive at really mature manhood, the completeness of personality, which is nothing less than the standard height of Christ's own perfection, the measure of the stature of the fullness of the Christ and the completeness found in him. So the completeness of personality, which is the standard height of Christ's own perfection. So when we say things like, well, I can't do that because I'm just not that kind of a person, you're so far short of Christ's perfection. And that should be a sign to you. That shouldn't be an excuse to stay where you're at. That should be a sign to you that says, my personality's out of whack. My personality needs some work because I need to grow my personality to where it comes to the place of the standard of Christ's own perfection. See, Jesus had the perfect personality because his personality I mean, the kind of person he was, but his personality was able to whatever situation he was in. And this is why Paul would say things like be, being, uh, being uh, all things to all people. Because he didn't let his personality rule him. In fact, he said, I don't count my life, my soul, my mind, emotions and will. I don't count my soul as being dear and precious to myself. I don't care about my mind and my feelings and my emotions and my personality. I'm going to do what God told me to do. So many people live off personality. They think personality is a gift from God. Your personality is not a gift from God. Your personality is a result of your upbringing, your background, what you've experienced, what you've dealt with, and what the world has made you to be. All your defense mechanisms and everything else, that's all in your personality. That's not from God. When Paul said, I am that I am by the grace of God, he wasn't talking about his personality. He said, I count all things as dung. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Growing, maturing. Maturity is growing in the completeness of his personality, which is the standard of Christ's own perfection. Therefore, meditating on the fact that we can be used in the gifts of the Spirit despite our personality, that we can step into position to be used and engage with the Holy Spirit is a growth in the personality of Christ's perfection. Amen. So, if that's bothering you today, where you start thinking about, well, you could be used in the gifts of the Spirit. You know, everybody sitting out here can be used in the gifts of the Spirit. Everybody on the platform, 
in song, in worship, can be used in the gifts of the Spirit. But do we come ready and expecting to be used? Or do we come hoping somebody else will do it? And yet, you know, you don't have to turn there, but Ephesians 5.1 very simply tells us that we should be imitators of God as beloved children. And that's why we take in the Word of God, to be like Him. You don't take in the Word of God to stay where you're at. We take in the Word of God so we can grow and be like Him, right? Where are we at? Chap chapter 4. Go to verse 20, back in the New American Standard. Ephesians 4.20. He says, but you did not learn Christ in this way. You know, parts of our being, personality, does not line up with God's. As a born-again believer, taking in the Word of God, we can grow in the process and develop in acting like God. Peter talks about it in uh, first, 2 Peter 1.5, that you have been, uh, that you would become a partaker of his divine nature. Well, he's talking to believers, so he's not talking about being born again. He's talking about the born again believer growing in and developing in his divine nature. And that's what we ought to do as we spend time in his word, that we can act like God on this earth and not be limited to an unrenewed carnal personality. We can have the mind of Christ. Isn't that right? How we think is how we act. If we think we can, we will. If we think we can't, we won't. Even if we don't know how, if we think we can, we will. And that's all. See, that's what hope is all about. A hopeful expectation. Is, I think that I can do that. I can do that. I think I can do that. I know God can empower me and strengthen me to be able to do that. I'd allow God to move through me. Those are the things we talk to ourselves about. Amen. Amen. Verse 21. It says, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus. All right. So put up verse 20 and 21. Now, remember when John spoke about Jesus, he said, we beheld his glory full of grace and truth. So he says in verse 21, if you've heard him and been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, he's full of grace, full of truth. Right. So verse 20 talks about learning Christ. And then he talks in 21 about the truth that's in Jesus. Now, we have the mind of who? Christ. But we have to learn to live like Jesus. We have the mind of Christ, but we have to learn to live like Jesus. You don't have the mind of Jesus. If you had the mind of Jesus, you would know everything about Jerusalem. You would know everything about Palestine. You'd know everything about the Middle East. You'd know about all the roads. You'd know about the disciples. You'd know about their families. You would know about all the religious leaders. You'd know about all the routes that Jesus took, the mountainsides and everything else. You don't. And you won't because you don't have the mind of Jesus. You have the mind of Christ. What's the difference? Christ... The having the mind of Christ is knowing who we are in him. That's the mind of Christ. Who I, it's not about knowing about Jerusalem and the disciples and the mountainside. No, it's about knowing who we are in him, right? We know our rights. We ought to know our privileges in the kingdom of God. The mind of Christ, when I have the mind of Christ, it's setting me in a position. Understanding things of who I am. I've taken on his mind, right? 
But living like Jesus is temporal truth. Because Jesus didn't live on the earth forever. Did he? No. So it's temporal truth. We live out our, from our position, the mind of Christ, we live out of our position that never changes. So that then we can, on the earth, live like Jesus would. I can only, I can only live like Jesus would as I take on the mind of Christ. Christ is the name of his deity. Jesus is the name of his humanity. I take on the mind of deity so that I can live like in his humanity. Amen. Positional truth will never change. Temporal truth will change as you come to the end of this dispensation. It'll change. Amen. A major move out from personality to living like Jesus is to take on the mind of Christ. Start thinking what he says. Jesus is the word made flesh. What's the word? Deity. The word is deity. There is three in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Spirit. The word is deity. The word deity took on flesh. And we beheld that deity in the flesh. We beheld his glory full of grace and truth. Jesus was the representation of deity in whom we are to think like deity. So therefore, if the word of God, the word deity tells us that gifts are given, then we're able to operate. We're able to move in them. It's just a matter of taking on the mind of Christ and being renewed in it. Amen. Amen. And, you know, we had a pastor that would really, and a lot of times, you know, the service would go for maybe two hours because they would get to a part at the end of worship, total silence. Silence, everybody's, oh, worshiping God. You know, total silence. He's not moving. If you have something from the Spirit, and he knew you had something, he's not moving. And he just wait until you give out what you got. And sometimes it would take 20 minutes, half an hour. He'll wait. He could wait anybody out. It's amazing. It was amazing. And um, so if they didn't like getting out late, then start yielding earlier. Whereas we will wait a little bit, but if you don't give out or do move, we're going to move on. Amen. Are you with me? So, taking on the mind of Christ and being renewed to what deity tells us about the gifts. For some, again, it's a matter of revisiting, getting refreshed and being refired in it. For some, it's brand new. Now, some people will say things like, well, I just don't have any gifts. That's correct. They all belong to the Holy Spirit. He wants to move through you and your availability. But they're his gifts. Are you with me? 
So he distributes the gifts as he wills at any given time. So what is needed in all of this? What is to be developed in us through all of this? Well, back in Acts again, chapter 4, verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they gathered together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. Prayer. They prayed. Well, this was a fervency. They were, they were fervent about wanting to serve God in the face of opposition. Now, I'm talking about religious opposition, government opposition, whereas in here, the only thing you have to face is flesh opposition. But if you can't handle flesh opposition, how are you going to ever handle opposition in the world? I mean, we think, oh, I don't need to do it here. I'm going to do it out there. No, you're not. You think you are, but then let's look at your life. Okay, I'm not. You know, we know that things could be advanced further than where they are. And what's holding it back? Moving in the gifts of the Spirit. Moving in the cooperation with the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? A fervency to be used of God. That's what they prayed for. They prayed for boldness to be used of God. God, use us. I know that they're resisting us. They're coming against us. But God, use us. In a, we want to be bolder. We're not going to back off or back down. We want to be bolder. A fervency to serve the Lord and cooperate with the Holy Spirit. I don't care what they say. They put us in jail because of the man at the gate. Beautiful. He got healed and they put us in jail over that. God, give us some more people that you can move with signs and healing and wonders among the people. They didn't pray to back off, back down, back away, hide away. They pushed in for boldness. Are you with me? Prayer. They prayed. A fervency. What was the result of that fervency? And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled. This was not the first time filling. The word fill there is in the present continuous tense, which means to be being filled. Like it talks about in Ephesians 5, uh, verse 18, I think it is. And he says, uh, don't be drunk with wine, but understand the will of the Lord. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the way it's written in the Greek, it means to be being full, staying full. Staying full of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, I don't know about you, okay, but I used to drink all the time. Uh, I was never without, and I don't mean Pepsi, but I would drink all the time. And it didn't matter if I was at the bar, if I was at a party, or even if I was at home. My glass is never empty. That's filled. We're staying full. And the glass stays full. I'm staying full. Are you with me? Okay, some of you can't relate to that. Some of you are like, oh, yeah, I know what you mean. I got to the point to where I didn't just walk around with a glass. I had a pitcher, and I'd walk around with the pitcher. I did. I'd walk around with the pitcher, drink right out of the pitcher, fill it back up again, walk around with the pitcher. Because I believed in being full. Wrong spirit. But I was full. And it's the same thing with everything that I did. I did everything like that. I do the same thing with my weapons. They're full. They're always full. 
<laughs> All right, you're welcome. So, the result of fervency was to be being filled, or a refilling of the Holy Spirit, filling to overflow. Be being filled with the Spirit, a constant filling to the top to overflow. The place of abundance in the Holy Spirit. This is the path that drips with the anointing. Be being full. Stop waiting for God to come along and do something. Get in position you need to be in so that that can drip on you. Amen. Prayer, bringing a refilling, and the result of that was what? They began to speak the word of God with boldness. And boldness is a very simple definition. It means a freedom to speak out. Not allowing circumstances to intimidate you. Well, they don't look too friendly. Maybe I shouldn't say something. Maybe that's just the person you need to say something to. That you, boldness means that you'll mount up with courage. It also means that you're under no constraint to watch your words. All right, now let's get that in balance. Because we're not talking about just being blunt and shameful and using abuse of speech because I'm not constrained. I just say whatever the blah, blah, blah I want to say. No, that's not what we're talking about. The Bible tells you to put away from you abuse of speech. But it means to declare the things of God without intimidation. And openness to the truth. Amen. You know it and you can share it. Are you with me? Amen. Well, in the same way, I have been open to you today about the gifts. I believe it's what the Spirit of God wanted you to hear about. I've shared with you about the restraints of personality, about living like Jesus and having the mind of Christ. So will you give yourself to prayer about these things? Will you give yourself to a fervency and a desire to be in service to the Holy Spirit? And if so, the results will be a refiring in the boldness of spirit that will speak out as directed by the Holy Spirit of God without being constrained, without being intimidated by fear or doubt. And that you be willing to step forward and do the things God wants you to do. Now, you know, the church that we were in had a sanctuary about this size and everybody would just kind of speak out as the Lord gave them something. But then when the sanctuary got bigger, we had decided, the pastor and I decided, we're going to put a microphone up front. And if somebody has something, they have to walk up to the microphone and give it. Well, that was even more intimidating than just standing out there and, uh, you know, giving something, you know. But everybody got used to it. You know what you get used to? What you want to get used to. That's what you get used to. Yeah, and it was great training. Why? Because to step from there to there means I might have to step from here to go talk to somebody. And while I'm here, I know I have something. Or there were times that I'd be here and the pastor would say to me, you have something, come up and give it. And I'm like, oh, I don't have nothing. So I'm like, okay, God, he said I have something. So from here to that microphone, I'm believing you to give me something. And it would never fail that by the time I got to the microphone, I had something. And I never made something up like Dennis said. <laughs> so, so. Yes, he is coming back. Glory to God. So what is the 
purpose of that and the benefit of that is that I might be here having nothing, but I know God wants me to go talk to them, but I have nothing. Now, I can walk over towards them and go, but I don't have anything. I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, and all the excuses and all the reasonings come up. Or I could be over here and God says, go talk to that person and you don't have anything. And you're like, okay, Lord, whatever you want me to say, I'm just open to you. Just give it to me. And you may start talking to them, say hello to them and whatever. And then boom, all of a sudden something will come. Because Jesus said, don't be worried and concerned about what you will speak. It will be given to you at the time what it is you want to say. Amen. Amen. So, again, will you give yourself to these things? Pray about it. Let fervency build up on the inside of you and get refired in this area of cooperating with the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Just bow your head to the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for everyone in the room, on podcast, on live stream, or on Facebook. Wherever this service may be broadcast, whether it's being watched live or whether it's being watched in an archive. Father, your anointing is always strong. Your anointing is always moving. Your anointing is on your word. So therefore, whoever hears it at any time, that word will still be carrying the anointing, Lord, and that will touch everyone that hears it. So Father, I just pray for everyone that is hearing this word today. Holy Spirit, to develop on the inside of us that boldness, to develop on the inside of us that fervency, to develop on the inside of us that desire to serve our God, to cooperate with you, Holy Spirit, and to fulfill your will. For we know that you, Jesus, told us to pray that the Father's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, if your will is going to be done on earth, then I say, here I am, Lord, use me. And let your will be done as I move with you, cooperate with you, obey you, and do as you would have me to do. And I thank you, Lord, that your word will be heard, your will shall be done, and people's lives will be touched and changed. Father, I thank you for it. I bless you and praise you for that. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Um, I'm sorry that um, I kept you a little bit late today, but um, I guess it was too many stories. That's what I'm always blamed for. Father, we thank you, praise you, Father, for your word. Thank you for this time together in your word and in, the, in your presence and in your Holy Spirit. And Father, with a heart of joy and gratitude, we come before you with our giving, with our tithes, with our first fruits, with our seed sowing. And Father, we come to bless you and to honor you, Father, with the substance of our life. And I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that as we do sow our seed, bring our tithe or plant our first fruit, I thank you for your word that is connected to each way of giving and that we can declare and put faith in what your word says and that it shall grow and produce fruit after its own kind, that their harvest will come back into our life and that we will again start the, the, the process of seed sowing and harvest reaping. Because your word says, as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest shall not cease. We thank you and bless you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.